How have you stayed on the cutting edge of efficiency? You know, you've been doing this a long time. Has that process needed to evolve over the last 15 years? Always. I mean, we were on a call this morning, actually, and we were talking about our next design of our newest factory. And we want to incorporate um, a modular line. And we want the state of the art. I mean, we think we're pretty good at it in a very humble way today. But we know we can do much better. Hi, I'm Jeff Lee, the host of the Building Forward podcast. I'll be speaking with the building industry's most thoughtful leaders on the technologies and business models transforming productivity in the built environment. In other words, data, analysis, and big ideas with a hard hat to help your construction business evolve and thrive. Thanks for stopping by. Let us know what you think and what keeps you up at night. The Building Forward podcast is produced in partnership with Geldwen Windows and Doors. Visit Geldwen's professional portal at professionals.geldwen.com for assistance with your 2019 projects. You'll find product comparison tools, how-to videos, and case studies, plus information on Geldwen's extensive selection of windows, patio doors, entry and interior doors. That's at professionals.geldwen.com. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Patrick Hamill, CEO and Chairman of Oakwood Homes, while at the Housing Leadership Summit. We talked about how Oakwood Homes has stayed on the forefront of efficiency through automation, workflow, intelligent factory construction, and the willingness to disrupt from within. Here's our conversation. Pat Hamill, thank you so much for joining us. Can you start off by introducing yourself and your role at Oakwood Homes? My name is Patrick Hamill. I'm the founder of Oakwood Homes. I'm their CEO and chairman. And we're now part of the Clayton family of companies, part of Berkshire Hathaway. Tell me a little bit about Oakwood's mission and what sets you apart. Well, Oakwood, literally from day one when we founded the company back in 1991, really on the premise of providing great value. We have four propositions to the customer, providing the best value, an enjoyable experience in the delivery process of the home, also during the process as well as after, with our new company Shazam. Uh, We also create communities that create a great sense of place and then choice for the consumer. But we really focus on affordability. That's always been our mantra since day one. You were an early adopter on the residential side of the BIM process for design and production. How has that changed the way your company operates? Well, I mean, like any home, it's a collection of a lot of parts and pieces and the knowledge of how you put that home together. You know, the BIM process is integral to how we develop and build homes for consumers. So we build it on paper first, literally in a 3D environment. And then that information is actually transferred to our factory where we do wall panels, floor systems, roof systems, that put the house together. And it makes you think in an integrated way, where the plumbing goes, where the HVAC process goes. And so the BIM process is not only good at counting the parts and pieces, but also where they need to go, the placement of them, you know, for good, efficient design. Tell me a bit more about the history of that integrating kind of digitized design and the factory built construction. Has that kind of been an element in your company from the start or is that something that evolved over time? No, you know, BIM modeling and how we've integrated into the factory is something that was always a process improvement tool. So as we started in the business and we grew the business, it was always something that we knew we could do better and then make it more efficient. So it's always been to either drive affordability, consistency, predictability in the business. So BIM modeling for us probably started about 15 years ago, 12 years ago when we started doing 3D design. And then uh, we've been manufacturing for a long time, so we've integrated that into the manufacturing process. And literally from the sales office, when somebody makes a choice or an option or 
elevation, that information is actually transferred right into the panel drawings, to the computers that actually operate the saws to create that accuracy. And then on the production side, why do you see things like panelization, or I guess kind of just the overall industrialization of home building as, as a solution? Well, it's important. And when you look at the decline in the American worker in terms of being on the job site, this is really fundamental to how we see being able to produce a quality product in a controlled environment where we can pay a living wage, benefits, 401k, and then at the same time be able to deliver a home that really Americans can afford to purchase. How have you stayed on the cutting edge of efficiency? You know, you've been doing this a long time. Has that process needed to evolve over the last 15 years? Always. I mean, we were on a call this morning, actually, and we were talking about our next design of our newest factory. And we want to incorporate um, a modular line. And we want the state of the art. I mean, we think we're pretty good at it in a very humble way today. But we know we can do much better. And so it's, it's really exciting to be able to figure out how we can plan and build a whole house within the confines of a factory and, and literally deliver it to the site. So as much as we can take out labor from the on-site process, put in a controlled environment, we know we can do two things, uh, put lots of Americans to work and we can deliver a product that actually meets the needs and lifestyles of our customer. So what does that state-of-the-art factory look like these days? I mean, does it involve more automation than it would have in the past? Well, not only automation, but workflow, uh, simplicity in terms of how it's designed. Literally, right now we can only take lumber off one side of the rail spur that comes into our, our factory. We know we can be better if we take it off both sides of the rail spur. And we've got a team that's working hand-in-hand -hand with Clayton to figure out what that state-of-the-art is going to look like. Uh, a few of them are going literally to Sweden next week to look at a factory that's built over there. So literally ideas that come from the factory floor all the way through sharing and learning on what others have done as well as our own experiences will help drive us in that location. I, I love that idea of going abroad to Sweden to see how things are done there and, and obviously you know building is, is different internationally. Do you think there are actually international disruptors that could come here and start to give somebody like Clayton a run for their money? Well, of course. I think if, if you don't have that attitude and figure out how you can disrupt from within, which Clayton does, they're always thinking about how, how do we um, blow something up and do it better or throw something against the wall and see what sticks and what doesn't. But lots of people, it's a big industry, and I think there's room for a lot of disruptors to learn from. Our industry really has had very little disruption. Um, I've, I've given a lot of different speeches before, and I, I love showing framing throughout the ages. I literally show a home being framed 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago. And then for most, the only technological change is the difference between a hammer and an air gun. Has affordability always been a focus, or has that kind of become more crystallized in recent years? Well, we build all sorts of different products, but in terms of my passion, personally, my passion really focuses on three things, and it's education, jobs, and housing affordability. So that's kind of my happy spot that I like to refer to. So that's our DNA. That's kind of what runs through our company. We just opened a community that we've sold 31 homes in a week, most of them to teachers and first providers, because that's who we focused on that in the Denver market starts at $245,000 when, when we have a median 
priced home that's over $500,000. So um, we got a lot of pride and passion, not, not just with me, but throughout the company on figuring out how we can do that. Let's take a quick break for a word from Jeldwin, our partner for the Building Forward podcast. Hi, Sean Van Dyke here. I've written a series of articles specifically for builders and contractors with proven tips for boosting the profitability of your business. They're part of a larger series created by Jeldwin called The Business of Building, and you can access these valuable insights now for a limited time. Head over to jeldwin.com forward slash business and get the ideas that will help you get ahead. That's jeldwin.com forward slash business. And now back to my conversation with Pat Hamill, CEO and chairman of Oakwood Homes. Has being part of Clayton given you any additional insight into that mission? Yes. I mean, Clayton, really, when you think about it, what they do on a manufacturing basis where they can produce, a, they call them floors, but a half of a house, let's say, for 25000 two for fifty, and they can do that at one factory I've toured in 20 minutes. And it's amazing quality. So the lines between, I think, manufactured housing and even what we do, because we do a lot of manufacturing ourselves, are really going to blur in the future. So the call I was um, you know, just on was with a bunch of executives on their side, and we were talking about this, you know, the next great design of a manufacturing facility. And I, you know, I think when we put both heads together, the lines between a manufactured product and a site-built product are going to be blurred tremendously. And how we take best practices and, and share and grow from those. You mentioned Shazam earlier, and I read you know, a little bit about it being a network of local service providers that can take care of maintenance issues. Tell me a little bit more about that, and I guess why you're interested in investing in something like that. Well, Shazam is a new company that we started, and it was one that we really felt would be a disruptor in the industry. So when you look at the history of home building, a lot of the builders, we all do a great job at delivering the product. And then as soon as we get their money, and we close or hand over the keys, you know, we, we, we don't talk to them as much. In fact, in our case, we wouldn't hear from 31% of our customers. I mean, the reality is when you think about what it costs to acquire an, a customer, the upfront cost, for us, it's about $6,400. And then to get one single transaction out of it, it's crazy, right? And at Oakwood, we always would talk about the vision of being a lifetime customer. But really, our business model was set up to be very transactional. And even though we had a, we, had, we averaged right between 18 and 21% referral rate, which is good for our industry, I think it can be 50. So what we did was when we journey mapped the customer process, we really looked at the process after the sale very closely. And then we determined that if something was warrantable, it would be either warrantable or it would be homeowner maintenance. So we would decline doing the maintenance and then do the warranty things. Well, the homeowner, today's homeowner doesn't even know how to do the maintenance of homeownership. So for every Oakwood home that's built today, right now, they get a one-year included maintenance program. And our goal is that that's going to be 80% of our customers will renew that on an annual basis. And then we self-perform the warranty. So we've been hiring handyman, plumbers, electricians, really providing service to our trade contractors, as well as our home building divisions to be able to service that customer in one day. And our cycle time has dropped from 32 days to complete a service request to 10. Amazing. And then it's still early in the process, but our buyer satisfaction will go up. We're even doing handyman services, hanging pictures, putting together IKEA furniture, just really figuring out how we can wrap ourselves around the customer's needs, desires, and wants. 
beyond how much that makes sense from the customer side, um, is there also an element of just providing access to skilled tradespeople? I mean, is it harder for customers and, and even builders like you to find those people these days? And does, does putting together a network like this kind of make that a little bit easier? Well, if you Google handyman, you'll come up with 100 pages. There's a lot of people out there doing it. And what we found is that, A, we can provide them a great source of work, an opportunity, and then we profit share with them you know, on the work. And they don't have to do accounting. We, we outfit them with the right equipment, tools, materials, and we make it very, very simple for their entrepreneurial abilities. What do you see as the single biggest challenge affecting the building industry today? Well, I think it's change and the lack thereof and the ability to really see into the future. And, and I think it comes down to like three or four key components. Obviously, affordability is something that's rougher around the, the country. We, we are not providing homes that people can afford. I think the labor replacement market is really important, and we've got to figure out a way to solve that. At Oakwood, we started, through our foundation, we started a home building academy two and a half years ago. This last year, we had 1,000 students that went through it. We just did a retreat and a mission and visioning process where it's not just about providing the training and education. How do we really find them a living waged job as the result of going through the academy? And so we're very ambitious. We want 5,000 students by the year 2025. Have you seen that workforce kind of change and evolve, especially since the labor shortage has become more of a crisis or, or maybe kind of what's needed to, to train those students? Well, yes, I think you have to make, like in any position, the housing industry has really been based on trade contractors. So in many cases, builders have simply advocated that responsibility of having a good workforce and put it on all the various trade contractors. That's great if it works. Clearly, it has not worked. It's a hard but very worthwhile business and opportunity. I mean, people can go uh, to college and end up with $100,000 worth of debt or work four or five years and end up ultimately with $100,000 worth of cash. So it, it can be a big swing. As an industry, we've done a poor job at marketing alternative career opportunities to young people and students and returning vets and that they can have a great worthwhile job and feel good about it. Does having a different production model than some of the other builders out there change the look of Oakwood's workforce at all? For sure. You know, we're definitely a production builder. We employ people that work in a controlled environment. They can have fun, great break rooms, 401k, paid vacation, etc. really does wonders for attracting the right workforce. And you know, for us, there may be a labor shortage, but it doesn't have to be a shortage at our place. I often look at it as a market share deal. How do we get more workers and create a better environment that we become the place that people want to go to, not that they have to go to. What areas of innovation or technology within Oakwood are you most excited about? Well, we're, we're working on a special project right now, and I kind of refer to it as our Uber community, that we hope to have a manufactured home that comes out of the factory. And more and more today, when you look at what's going on with potentially self-driving cars and young people and millennials, I have friends whose kids are living not only in downtown Denver, but New York and other places that first, I, I get not having a car because you can be very mobile today, uh, much more so than in the past, but also don't even have driver's licenses. I mean, this was kind of a big shock to me and have really no desire really to have one. Now, I don't know that that will be the rule or the rule of thumb, but it's amazing when you get rid of the garage, how much more creative you can get in the community that feels 
much better. You don't have these garage doors facing streets. You can create more green space, higher density, more affordability. It's exciting. Does thinking about uh, a community without cars or with fewer cars change the look of not just the houses, but the look of the community itself? It does. It really, really does. You cut down on pavement and you increase grass. You can create more community gardens. I mean, it's an interesting concept. I don't know that we realize how much effort we put around having a two-car garage and what it causes to the impact of the community. Now, this could fail miserably, but, but, but it's, it's a fun process for our team. What barriers do you see remaining to making the industry more productive? I think it's really the industry and how we think. I mean, our past and our history seems to be always the biggest anchor on how we do things. I mean, I've been in lots of different meetings when, well, there's no way we could do this. And how do you make that shift to say, well, what is it that the customer really wants and what are they willing to pay for and what compromises, you know, are they willing to work? I mean, if anybody could have it any way they'd want, you know, most people would be right downtown uh, in a big lot and have everything they want. Well, it may cost too much. They may not be able to afford it. So life becomes a series of compromises and how do you go through that process and help get a home that somebody has the least number of compromises to meet their needs. You've done a lot in terms of giving back to the community. Why has that been so important to you? Well, I think we all have a debt to society. I mean, I, I was came into this world and so many people before me did so many things that allowed me to have a better life, especially my parents really worked hard. And I think, I don't know, it's this amazing thing. The more I have given, the more I have shared, it has come back to me tenfold. So it's an amazing journey. I hope to bounce my last check. What's your greatest source of inspiration for your work? I think um, I got a text actually today, right before I came in here, from one of our salespersons really special for a very affordable house uh, and it was a letter email that was sent to her from a customer who they lost she lost her husband two kids two children never thought they could actually afford to buy a home and bought one for us and that's kind of what makes it all worthwhile what makes you optimistic about the building industry in the years ahead well i think the the industry has always been made up of just wonderful people great leaders that really are passionate about what they do. And I see it year after year. I was just talking to a young man that's his first year at the conference and he's so excited about the learning that he's um, going through and what's gonna happen. So I think it's about our people and what brings you to this industry and the passion that's involved. And, and I do see a shift coming. I see a shift with great companies like Clayton and what they're trying to do to produce affordable housing and, and have that accepted into the world because that's really what people want. They want a decent place to live. Thanks so much for taking the time. All right. Thanks for stopping by the Building Forward podcast. Let us know what you think by emailing me at buildingforward at hanleywood.com.